<laughs> Listen, I, I, I have to uh, imagine somebody just tuning in to the radio station this morning right now, and this is all they hear. Um, I honestly didn't think you'd play the whole clip. Yeah, but it's uh, it's the, actually the brilliant. It's brilliant. You have to yes. admit, hey? Yeah, that's the thing. You know, it, when you're playing that, um, I've watched that clip so many times. So when I heard the sound, immediately I know that's, that's Senna, Senna on Monaco, and, and that's that famous in-car footage of him driving. And he famously said afterwards that it was almost like an out-of-body experience. So it almost sort of moved out of his body when he was driving there. It was almost like he was driving the car just with his mind. It sounds really crazy, but that's sort of the, the level it went to. And, yeah. and that's what a Formula One car should sound like. You know, it's like just... <laughs> It's like screaming demons. It's all just <laughs> crazy sounds. So, um, yeah, so um, it really is worth watching if you're into Formula One. But um, and you, you, oh, you know what's, ex- what's amazing about it is that, um, I mean, as you say, it's the classic onboard. I mean, you actually see his camera in this 1990 Monaco Grand Prix. And at one point, the camera goes all squiffy and kind of like just sort of breaks down. I mean, how fast do you think he should be? He could be going. I don't know. Monaco is not necessarily that fast. So as a track, um, he, he's not really getting uh, as high top speed uh, as other tracks. Probably through the tunnel. I mean, the one stage you can hear the sound changes as he goes through the tunnel. Um, but uh, it's not even close to as fast as other tracks. But you've also got to look at in context. You know, those cars were uh, not as strong as today's cars. Yeah, that's like um, thirty years ago, and, basically. Exactly, and it's a manual, so you can, if you watch the clip and you'll see his right hand move away, he's changing gears. So his hands aren't on the steering wheel all the time. It, it is really crazy. I mean, the 80s was, was, was a really exciting time for Formula One, and they were, were trying lots of new technologies on the cars, like carbon fiber, and um, they'd actually experimented already earlier with cars that have downforce like the cars are, that are of today. And at one stage, they had special engines just for qualifying that uh, made over a thousand horsepower. So they just had a qualifying engine and then a race engine. So, um, yeah, if, you, if you're a little bit older or if you're actually into Formula One, go watch the Senna movie. There's a, there's a documentary on Senna, just called Senna, and that blows your mind when you watch that. It's really just, as a person and who that, that man was, it really is fabulous. So well, thanks for making my Saturday by playing <laughs> Senna in, at Monaco. <laughs> well, I think you made um, uh, C in KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, Saturday as well because she just sent a WhatsApp with all those laughing emojis, like laughing hysterically. So, <laughs> I think yeah, that's not what you expect on a Saturday morning when you switch on the radio. And you're no, a, it's a good. We, we're waking yeah, people. We're waking people up. We're waking people up. Nico, have you got okay. your radio on in the background? No. Do you hear a bit of an echo? Yeah, there's a little bit of an echo, but it's uh, it's okay. We'll figure it out as we go along. Is, is it gone now? It could be my earphones, because they sort of wanted to see ringing in my ears a little bit. Okay. You, can you hear it? It's gone now. It's is it gone? Okay. Sort of. Yeah. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll check it out. I don't think you want to try phone. Do you want to phone me again? Um, Why don't we go to a break? Why don't we go to a break? We have to anyway. So let's go to that break. And then when we come back, we'll um, we'll chat to you further. We're going to be talking about the what? The Toyota Land Cruiser diesel debut. You know, there's a new Land Cruiser. Um, it's, and it's way off. It's just been launched internationally. So it's not even close to South Africa, but just what a car. So let's chat about that. Okay, cool. All things automotive with the petrol head, Nicole Smith.
We're chatting to Nico, our petrol head. He's on the line. We're also talking about the Toyota Land Cruiser diesel, which is debuting in 2024 in Europe. But Nico, they're going to debut a mild hybrid in 2025. What is a mild hybrid? I mean, it's like saying, is your curry mild or hot? So what's the difference? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd rather want a hot hybrid than a mild hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, I'd make mine the lemon and herb hybrid. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so um, actually, um, okay, so first of all, um, if I watch some sites, some websites say this is the, they call it uh, America, they call it just a land cruiser. And then I saw a different one, uh, like a South African site that referred to it as a land cruiser Prado. So I'm not sure if it will be called the land cruiser or the land cruiser Prado, but it, it's, it's quite a boxy looking car. Oof, and I, I, I really like the design um, because lots of cars nowadays are going that route of, being round and smooth and different lines where this really looks quite aggressive. Um, there's actually two additions. One, the headlights are, are the main difference. One, I think they call it the heritage edition, which is like round lights. And then you get one with little boxy LED lights, but a very square design um, on the outside. I really think it's good looking um, on the inside. It's interesting with, um, you know, I wouldn't say initially it's like, okay, this is an interesting different design on the inside. Um, so a digital display and a digital touchscreen on, on the center console, but there's still a lot of buttons for climate control. Um, and knowing my experience from these things, you know, the, 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 the Land Cruisers are really capable off-road vehicles. Uh, so that's so I'm excited about that. Now, get, getting back to your question, which uh, this took me five minutes to get to. So a mild hybrid, you get different types of hybrids. And um, so a mild hybrid um, would mean that you can't really um, charge. So it, it'll be a petrol engine. Plus mm. an electric motor, plus a battery. But you okay. can't really charge that battery. That battery will be charged when you're braking. Um, and then if you're putting away, it might pull away with the electric motor. Um, or if you're accelerating hard, the electric motor might assist you with acceleration. Um, but um, you, you don't really have access to the battery, so you can't charge the battery. So that's a mild hybrid. Yeah. Then you get a plug-in hybrid. And a plug-in hybrid has a petrol engine as well, and it has an electric motor and a battery as well. But now what happens is you go home and you charge it at home. So that battery isn't very big. So you charge the battery um, uh, up and then you can drive, let's say, for 30 kilometers or so, depending on the car, with full electric. So in this case, the mild hybrid simply means that you have a petrol engine. So from some of the information, they say it's going to be four-cylinder engines. One talks about a 2.4-liter turbo engine. And then the mild hybrid is just simply electric energy assisting you with putting away or acceleration. Okay. I must say I'm not a big fan of this boxy. I know that Merck have now got this boxy kind of... Uh, okay, but this is, not, this is not your cup of tea. No, I, I find the boxiness, it's like, it's like a repeat of the, land, the original Land Rover, which I don't mind the boxiness for the original Land Rover, but... I, no, I, I think there's a little bit like that in the Defender. If you, watch the, if you look at the new Defender as well, it also has this boxiness. Yeah. Um, so definitely, you know what, um, like anything, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So some people would say, I love this, like me. And some people, like you would say, yeah, I don't know. I don't like this boxiness. But, you know, I'm personally quite excited to see this car coming out and to eventually test drive it because I've always been a fan. And going back in the late 1990s, I remember driving a Prado, you know, doing off-roading with it when I was still doing off-road training, 4 by 4 training. And, you know, they were just lovely cars to drive and very capable off-road. And there's still a good following in South Africa of people that drive Prados. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. And, of course, the land, if you just take the Land Cruiser name, 
worldwide. Um, you know, that's such a strong name for Toyota. So I'm excited, and uh, but it's still a way off. They they're talking. The, the South African website said uh, quarter two 2024 uh, will be the launch. So that means uh, I say April, April, May, June, roughly next year. Okay, so so I'm talking of Prados. Um, Richard is my name, sends this message saying, Morning, Nico. I have a problem with my Prado 2010, which cuts power supply to the cluster intermittently. It comes and goes without any repair. Can you assist with what the problem could be? Because I love the car. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I don't know. Um, you know, this is something What's the that, cluster? Um, when Richard is my cl- name, talks us... Um, the cluster, so you, uh, the cluster um, probably is referring to the speedometer and rev counter. So if you if you talk about the the, the, the clusters, that would be where the dials are. Yeah. Um, because if you look at the 2010 Prado, they didn't really have um, uh, um, like the touch screens that we have today. So the cluster is probably referring to the the the, the driver, the, the display in front of the driver. Um, but you know what? There's always this point where we talk where my where my knowledge goes off a cliff and you know i'm i'm at that point now because i'm really not um uh, that technically minded to say okay i work with with electronics so this is probably something like an uh, that an auto electrician would look at but if you lo- love the car and um, if you have a good place to go service where you service it go there or even actually i would go to toyota um, and just uh, let them have a look so it depends on if you want to go to the manufacturer or somewhere else um, or, or find an auto electrician because it, it just it could be a connection somewhere that's just you know, if it's intermittent, somewhere there's a connection where the current's not flowing through to the cluster. So that's probably what it is. But to be honest, um, you'll pass my knowledge. Um, so have it looked at as an expert. Simply go to Toyota and ask them um, for some advice. And they'll probably give you good advice as to what it could possibly be. Um, but yeah, those 2010 lovely calls. So um, someone called Peter Koning has said mm-hmm. um, when F1 was still racing, Senna. What a driver! Now F one is boring. Yes, now yes. F one is boring. Overtaking the pits is all the action for real racing and drivers. There's only MotoGP. Hmm, I'm not sure what you would think of that. Oh no 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 no! That's like, what, what I don't. Who said that again? Someone called Peter Koning. 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 Yes, I feel you, brother. So that's exactly Formula <laughs> One. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, amen, brother. So no, listen, I, I can't agree with you more. Formula One is just. Um, you know, what rubbish is it that you, uh, in a pit stop, overtake somebody or even artificially they've got a, a wing that opens up to make you pass somebody. So that is a bit frustrating. And, and a lot of the Grand Prix, I agree with you, it, it's actually quite boring and frustrating sometimes to watch because there's not a lot of overtaking. Um, and where have you ever heard in your life you've got to, okay, let's save the tyres. And that's nonsense. So I agree with you completely. They've got to look at, relook at that. And if you look at MotoGP, Michelle, he's 100% right. So MotoGP is where Brad Binder races. That's motorbikes. And, and, and there you see, um, you know, the last lap, any, any one of six riders can still probably win. So that's sometimes the overtaking and excitement is actually better than Formula One. So I'm a big Formula One fan, but it is sometimes quite frustrating. And I, if I watch this parade lap, it, you know, I, pro- I won't stop watching, but sometimes I, I find it frustrating that people overtake each other in, you know, in a pit stop as opposed to on the track. Okay. So, yes, um, Sorry. Let's move on. No, we're going to move on because we've got a couple of voiceovers. So I'll give you a voice messages. I'll give you two of them and then we'll, you'll answer mm-hmm. and then I'll carry on to the next ones as well. Morning, Michelle. Let's tell you something for Dean. Can I ask Nico there whether uh, my wife is, is a, a Lenas. Um, now, 
she she's comfortable on driving automatic uh, there will be a time where will she be allowed to go for a test using an automatic if is there is there any way that she will be allowed to use automatic for testing good morning michelle how are you michelle yeah i love your program with nico please michelle can you ask nico for me uh i want to know uh picanto 2004 model picanto 2004 model um how is the car is the parts is it everywhere secondly is it one of the cheap uh parts that somebody can easily find or the parts is it difficult to find because i'm planning to buy that car because um, little problem in the bonnet bonnet and um the fender there's only problem i think that this car had so just wanted to know if the parts is everywhere or is it scarce to find or must somebody order the parts if it has an engine problem thank you michelle constant <laughs> okay so nico let's get through those two let's start with um if you are a learner driver and you learn i mean this is actually a very interesting question if you're a learner driver and you learn on automatic, can you take the automatic lesson or do you have to do it as a manual? I think if you're doing this test, and somebody can please help us out because, I, I'm, you know, there's, again, somebody that knows a little bit better than me because I want to make an efficient sure of my facts. But I have a strong suspicion that if you do your license on automatic only, you can only ever drive an automatic. You can't drive a manual. Where if you're doing your test in a manual, you can, do your, you, you can drive a manual or automatic on the road. So maybe somebody can help me out and confirm this. Um, so I do think you can do your test in auto, but then you can only ever drive autos. Um, yeah. So the license, so like the license, you'll see like a, a number, for instance, my license says EB, and that I think means that I can tow a trailer. So there's actually different, um, if you look at the, um, um, your license card, it tell, there's a little um, short um, EB or B or whatever it is, and that tells you what you can drive um, and the code of car that you can drive. So, Code 8 would be a normal car. Code 10 would be a certain small little truck that you yeah. can drive. So, um, But somebody can just help me out and confirm that. Um, so, yes, I think Maybe we can. should phone the, the licensing department and ask yes, them. Yes, exactly. And, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> and I don't want to give a fact. I'm not 100% sure. I'm a bit unsure. So maybe somebody can help me out. Um, as with the Kia, it's a 2003. So um, it's an older car. I mean, it's 20 years old. So th- those cars weren't really complicated. And because Kia is in South Africa, um, I would I would say that they is would Picanto, fill that part, is Picanto but, a Kia? Yeah, so he's saying a Picanto, so a Kia Picanto. And oh, I, I heard I, I, it was a bit I, I couldn't hear hear clearly, but I think it's two thousand and three Kia. Two thousand and four, right? Mm, two thousand and four. Yes. So um, you, I, I don't see why you shouldn't have parts because the manufacturers would keep the parts for a while. But twenty years means there's there's not that many cars, so maybe the parts. Um, are a bit more expensive than the new ones. Maybe they're not. I don't know. So actually what I would do if it was me, if I would look at the car, I would phone Kia. I would phone a dealership 
Um, simply look at the dealership in your area, phone them and say, listen, I'm looking at this car. Do you guys have parts for a 2004 Kia Picanto? And that's what I would do. So then you then instead of listening to me that might waffle on and might be wrong, then you get an exact answer. So if it was me, I think there would be parts. But um, if you want to, I, I like facts. If you want to make 100 percent sure, just phone phone any dealer, a quick search, and you'll find a dealer and ask them. Fantastic. Say, so can I speak to the parts department? So phone the dealership parts <laughs> department, and off you go. So I want to give you the answer, but I'm, I, I want to you know make 100 percent sure. But I would say. Um, there's lots of Kia dealers around. There's lots of Kias on the road, so I can't see why they shouldn't have parts. Okay, so we're going to go to a break, and when we come back from the break, we'll uh, give you uh, some more questions. All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. We are with the petrol head. Nico is on the couch, and we've got a couple more questions for you. Let's go through it. Hello, Michelle. Uh, this is Dr. Peter. I've bought, uh, acquired uh, uh, recently a Mazda 2 2008 model. Uh, whenever I depress the brake, you know, and then uh, it looks like it doesn't want to engage and it keeps sliding a little bit. And then uh, some unqualified mechanics are saying it's a brake booster. So I love the car, and then the brake boosters, when I'm looking for it, I keep getting a second-hand one, but uh, which is like faulty, and the thing keeps going on. So I wonder, uh, the new one, when I'm requesting for it, they say it's over 5,000 rand, it's expensive. So how do I keep either driving it until I can get this sorted out, or... Can you give some more information on the brake booster? Because, you know, I'm not braking properly. Thank you. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Nico, to the team and the loyal listeners who are always making the show a wonderful to listen. Nico, please, what is the basic thing to be considered when purchasing a second-hand um, automatic cars? The basic thing that needs to be considered. Secondly, cars are being used almost every day on our street, our road, etc. Is it possible for us to probably have Nico at least twice in a week? Is Bramoro in Bloemfontein? <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, I, I, so I'm miss, let's go to the first one quickly. We'll go to the, the first one. Part. So, what is a brake booster? Okay, so when when you when you when um um when you're braking in the car, so when you're pressing that brake pedal down, the car is actually assisting. So, the brake booster is just simply what the name says. It's giving extra energy to help you slow down the car. Because imagine the weight of a car. Let's say your car weighs 1.4 tons. Or you have an SUV, some of them weigh 2 tons. Or electric cars weigh 2.3 tons. You, you know, that energy that your leg puts in there is not necessarily, or you might not be strong enough to slow this car down. So what you have is a brake booster is basically giving more energy to help you brake. So when you're pressing the pedal, it's not only your leg slowing the car down, you've got um, hydraulics um, yeah. assisting you to slow the car down. Now, what happens is when cars get older, those brake boosters can fail and they can get problems. So that's probably what, 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 what is happening there. If you're pressing the brake pedal, then it's like you really have to press hard to slow the car down because now what happens is you don't have that assistance of that brake booster anymore. You've no, you're only using your energy. So the difficult thing is, I'm always, you know, it's a financial thing, which is, I mean, 5,000 rand is a lot of money. Yeah, and is. now suddenly you've got to find 5,000 rand suddenly just to fix your brakes in your car, which is now all of us are nowadays 
you know, with the way the, the economy is going, all of us are, it's, it's a lot of money to find. But the, 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 the opposite side, unfortunately, is that it's a, it's a, 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 let's call it a safety critical issue. So some things in your car is like, hey, that's not a problem. I can look at that later. Um, but when you get your brakes, this becomes a safety critical issue because imagine you're now driving with your family and there's an emergency and you've got to brake hard, but you don't have the brake booster, you don't have that assistance. So the car might take longer to stop than it would be if, you, if everything was working okay. So yeah. that's, that's what worries me. That's like, like okay, your 5,000 rands versus a, a safety critical issue. And this for me is a safety critical issue. I wouldn't find, I don't know where you're from, so I don't know if you're from a city or from a small town or a rural area. If you're a rural area, then it becomes a problem to find the parts. But in, in normally in, in bigger towns or cities, there are lots of different places that can supply the parts. You can phone the manufacturer. I think maybe that's where the 5,000 rands comes from. That's what it costs. But a second-hand one, you could do that, I guess. You could go to the scrapyard, look for a car similar to yours, and buy the part there cheaply. But you know what? I wouldn't mess with something like this because brakes, you don't want them to mm. fail and not to help. So I, I, I hope it answers the question, Michelle. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's something... Um, if it's you, not, yeah. it's, as you say, it's safety critical. It's not a nice to have. It's actually you exactly, do have to Exactly. I can it. look at that later. And, yeah. and that, you know, with your family, you know, that's the thing. Your family's yeah. in the car. And there's an emergency. All right, the second one again, help me out. Because, so, Brown Morrow. Um, it, was, it was not automatic. Yeah, um, secondhand what automatic. What's your thought of secondhand automatics? Um, you know what? It depends on the type of automatic, actually. Um, uh, because there's certain, there's, um, you get, um, we've spoken about this before, you get the twin clutch or dual clutch gearboxes, which is effectively a manual. It, uh, the car actually has a clutch that engages. So, even though you've, it feels like an automatic, there's a com- computer that engages and disengages the clutch. Now, depending on the car, those things can sometimes be um, have issues. Um, you can have issues with the clutch, or you can have issues with the with the brain side of it. You know, the part that that does all the the, the gear changes. So they can be. I don't want to say they are, but they can be problematic. If you have a conventional type gearbox, um, which is a torque converter gearbox, those things are very reliable. They probably they'll, they'll probably last you longer than a clutch. So, in other words, if you have a car. Um, eventually, let's say you're a manual car with a clutch and an automatic with a torque converter, you'll eventually have to replace the clutch and the torque converter might actually last a lot longer. So if you're buying a conventional torque converter gearbox, those things are very reliable, no issue. If you're looking at a twin clutch or even a CVT, CVT is a, a continuous variable transmission, so those work on either a belt or a chain. If they have high kilometers as well, they also have a clutch. So um, the safest bet is a torque converter gearbox, um, then possibly a CVT and then a twin clutch. The twin clutch ones, especially with high Ks, you might have to watch out for because the cost might suddenly be 30,000, 40,000 rands to replace if there are issues. Okay, quickly, we've got um, a voice note responding to that uh, licensing um, with an automatic. Yes, how oh, great. If you do your, uh, uh, your driver's license um, with an automatic car, uh, you'll have to, uh, you are limited to drive only automatic car, even though you know how to drive a, a manual car. But if uh, the traffic officer catches you with a, an automatic license, driver's license, uh, you can be um, penalized for driving an, a manual car with an automatic license. That is how I know it. Yeah, which is pretty much what you're saying as well, Henrico. So. Um, you don't, you don't want to be the person who is um, uh, stuck to having to use automatic for the rest but, of your life. But if you, 
That's the thing. But, you know, the opposite side, if you only have a manual car at home and you've learned to drive manuals and you're happy with that, if you know the risk, not the risk, but if you say, listen, it's fine, I always want to drive automatic, then, then I guess it's okay. Because anyway, the it's a bit more work to learn how to drive a manual. The technique is slightly different. It's a bit more difficult. Um, so, you know, it's a decision you make, but very thanks for, the, for clearing that out for us. Okay, Andronik is an umkanya kude. I'm just wondering if you're going to be able to answer this. Is it possible yes. for cash companies to use the locally produced Marauder military car to transport cash in transit since it is somewhat bomb resistant? <laughs> I guess. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I guess you can use you can use a, a, a tank if you want to as well. So, <laughs> I guess it's some, you know, then, then really, then you can shoot back. But the, the problem <laughs> is that you know that these things um, uh, that depends on what they cost. I don't think they're cheap. You know, because they specially specially developed military cars. So buying one is probably very expensive. I mean, we've got cars that we've exported in America. Some in, in Iraq used um, uh, cars that we built. I think. Or, no, not the Hummer. That's their rubbish. It's got RG32. I forget now the number. Hummer is a nonsense thing, man. Our cars are amazing. And, and they were actually exported to quite a few countries. But I think the cost of one is very expensive because they, 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 they built to resist, you know, or um, use, um, save the people inside from even a landmine. So I think it's simply a cost thing. Mm. Quick, uh, this is not a question, more of a comment from Temba saying, when Senna was racing, they still used gear levers and they didn't have paddle shifts. So they didn't yes. have both their hands on the steering wheel. Exactly. I mean, imagine how much infinitely more difficult it is to drive and change gears manually while you drive. So you're not only concentrating on driving, but sometimes your hand goes off the wheel. Or you might be passing somebody in, in a gear or if you're missing a gear in a race, then, you know, that's suddenly at the start, that's a few places um, gone. So it's a lot more difficult in those times and a lot more dangerous and very, very exciting, of course. So, it does kind yeah. of raise the question, is it more exciting to see skill or is it more exciting to see speed? I'll leave that for you to ponder on today, your Saturday. I will ponder for the rest of the day, but it's skill. <laughs> <laughs> but let me ponder a little Yeah, bit ponder more. a little more, hey? <laughs> I shall. <laughs> Nine o'clock, time for the news. Good morning.